welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. Let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is great, a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are our God. It is you that we worship. Forgive us, Lord. We so often worship the creation around us rather than the creator. But thank you for your promise to receive us with open arms if we confess our sins and turn from them in repentance. Help us this morning to come humbly before you, to worship, to bow down, to kneel before the Lord, our maker. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulness clean. His blood avail for me. Hear him, ye death, his praise he done. everybody. Let's close our eyes and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be in your house this morning. We thank you, Father, that this privilege is granted to all. We said that only some take this privilege, Lord, to come and meet with you on a Sunday morning and, and come and praise you and worship you. Father, we thank you for this church. And we thank you for its formation and we thank you for its leaders and we thank you for its members. Thank you for its adherence. Father, we pray that you will bless us this morning, will bless us with, that, with your word, and will bless us as a church, Father, in general. Pray that you will help us with our goals, that you will help us to figure out the right goals, and you'll be with Bryant as he leads us. And Father, I pray that 
we will eventually have the, the home that we want, permanent home. But in the meantime, we thank you so much for this place where we can worship. And we thank you that, that COVID has gone to the level where we can, can come together and, and we're not too many and we don't have to go through all the strange things we've been doing for the last little while. Father, in our congregation, there are a bunch of people who are suffering and struggling, both physically and financially. Pray, Lord, that you'll be with them. I think specifically at the moment of Christine and Irene struggling with her medical aid. And, and then we have some, some friends who are also struggling very hard financially and struggling to try and come to grips with why things are happening to them. And I pray that you'll be with them and that you'll be close to them. And I pray for all of us that we'll always remember that you're in control and nothing catches you by surprise, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you're in our life and we thank you that you've called us. We know that even that we couldn't, even coming to you, we couldn't have done on our own. And, and we're so grateful that you never let us go. I know I am, Lord, and I know that without you, I would be nothing. Lord, and we pray for those of our, excuse me, those of our congregation who are traveling and think specifically of Tony and, and Mariette who've had quite a torrid time of late and i Pray that you give them the the joy that they they have from a holiday, and pray that you keep them safe and you protect them, Lord. Pray, Father, that today you'll be with your servant Brian, and you'll touch his heart and his mind, and touch his words, and touch our hearts, each one of us, as we as we hear his message that he brings to us, that is prepared for us, and and that. It will be something that will speak to our hearts today and that will carry through the week with us and that we will implement the things that we've heard in our lifestyle and in our lives, Lord. I pray that we'll not just sit and listen and, and then walk out and forget. And I pray that, Lord, you will grant us that blessing which is you in our life. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us through the preaching of his word. Please stand again together. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth planted deep and fashion us in your likeness, that the light of Christ might be seen today in our acts of love and our deeds of faith. Speak, O Lord, and fulfill in us all your purposes for your Just Lord, full obedience, holy reverence, true humility. Test our thoughts and our attitudes in the radiance of your purity. Cause our faith to rise, cause our eyes to see your majestic love and authority. Words
James 2, 14 to 17. Um, what, is, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but doesn't have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. Good morning. Uh, good to uh, be together this morning. Good to see you here, able to worship together. If you uh, have your Bibles to turn to Ephesians, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 and looking specifically at uh, verse 10 this morning. Uh, <clears throat> the last time we looked at uh, the what, the why, and the how of God's great work of salvation. And uh, we look there in verses uh, 4 through 9, and we noted uh, in verse 10 what Paul calls the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. And uh, we saw in verses 8 and 9 how God's salvation comes to us. Let's note there again in, in verse 8 and 9, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And we looked at the, uh, the emphasis in uh, this verse and others that the basis of God's work of salvation is grace. And the means of receiving uh, salvation is faith. And so we have this very important statement, salvation is by grace through faith. And so salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and we could add in Christ alone, so that God gets all the credit, and He gets all the glory for what is accomplished in us. Notice uh, the, the emphasis that um, <clears throat> He makes, and He has these parallel statements, that this is not your own doing, and then also it is not a result of works. Well, in spite of this clear teaching, many will uh, desire to add something to the grace of God as a requirement for salvation. Uh, many look for something more difficult, uh, something that proves they are sincere, something that allows them to have a, a sense of accomplishment. 
this is what the cults will do. They will say, we believe in Jesus Christ, but just do this. Or worship on this day. Or be baptized. Or do this or don't do that. Then you will be saved. Some are like uh, Naaman. Remember him from the Old Testament, the commander of the Syrian army who had leprosy. And he, and he hears about Elisha, the prophet, and he seeks him out and, uh, to, to find him to be healed. But when he finally finds Elisha, he's offended because Elisha didn't even come out to greet him. He just tells his servant to say to him, go dip in the Jordan River seven times and you'll be healed. Well, pride almost kept Naaman from being healed because after all, he had much better rivers back home, much cleaner looking than the Jordan. But his servant convinced him that such a great gift that had been offered should not be ignored you know, over five years ago when preaching through uh, the letter of Galatians, I could not have imag- imagined that a family from our church would leave the doctrine of salvation by grace through faith alone to join the Roman Catholic Church. It, it just would uh, seem impossible. And yet they did. In Galatians, Paul was writing to churches that were being influenced to add works to the law or sorry, add works of the law to faith in order to be saved. And the same thing happens today. Various forms, it's not the same kind of works that Paul was dealing with. They were most likely, from what we see in the context, uh, dealing with circumcision as a practice of of the old covenant law. But today it's some other something, some other practice, some other... Um, deeds that one must do. In Galatians 2, in verse 16, he writes, A person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also, and he's speaking of the Jews, as he writes to these Gentiles, he says, So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Well, just as in Paul's day, many today confound the grace of God by making works part of the means of salvation. We have also the other extreme as it relates to works. Some uh, some, as they look at the strong emphasis on salvation being by grace, alone and not a means of our efforts or any kind of works, they conclude then that works are not that important or they, or they really have no relationship to our salvation. And so Paul makes in verse 10 this short statement to clarify the relationship of works and our salvation. Notice in verse 10, he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
Now, verse 10 is a continuation of uh, verse eight, verses 8 and 9, where the emphasis there, as we saw, is, is on the salvation by the grace of God and not of works. He says in verse 10, for we are His workmanship. You see, salvation is God's work, not ours. And Paul reinforces the nature of this powerful working of God in our salvation with the statement that we are created in Christ Jesus. And this word created, it's interesting that its various uses in the New Testament, I think it's 49 times, there's only one time where it was used in reference to something that man had made. All the other times it speaks of God as the creator and what he creates. And it's used of him in two ways. One, obviously, of the physical creation, making references back to what God did as the creator and the creation and so forth. Well, the second way is of the spiritual creation of the new birth and our salvation. And uh, we see that in, in various places in the emphasis upon God's work, as we've already seen in this um, letter to Ephesians. But notice in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, where he says, Therefore, if any one is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old thing, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so we are created in Christ Jesus. He's talking about this spiritual birth, this spiritual new life that we have in Christ. And as we saw in verses 4 to 6, God's work of the new birth is in Christ Jesus. This new life that we have, this new creation that we are, is in Christ. It's in Him. Well, notice with me this morning from verse 10, first of all, that we are dependent upon God for good works. He says that we're created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are not saved by works, but for or unto good works. That is, that is God's plan. There's a note from uh, John MacArthur in his Ephesians commentary that reads, Before we can do any good work for the Lord, He has to do His good work in us. By God's grace, made effective through our faith, we become His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. God has ordained that we live lives of good works, works done in His power and for His glory. End of quote. You see, our, our works could never contribute to our salvation, but good works will flow from our salvation. Our relationship and union with Christ will produce the fruit of good works. Someone has said good works are the fruit and not the root of salvation. Well, you'll remember Jesus' uh, allegory in John 15 about the, uh, the vine and the branches. Jesus is talking to His disciples, and He says from verse 4, Abide in Me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in Me. I am the vine, 
you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. C.H. Spurgeon writes, This new creation is in connection with Christ, for we read in the text, created in Christ Jesus. We are the branches. He is the vine out of which we grow. Your life and all your fruit-producing power lie in your union to Christ. You are not merely new created, but you are created in Christ Jesus. It is not merely a change from a lower nature to a higher, but from being separated from Christ to union with Him. What a wonderful thing that is, that you and I should not only be creatures in the world, but new creatures in Christ Jesus. Creatures we were in the first Adam, but our new creatureship is in the second Adam. He writes, Beloved, if you are what you profess to be, you are one with Jesus by that vital union which cannot be dissolved, and good works will follow upon that union. End of quote. So that analogy of the fruit is helpful for us when thinking about good works as a believer. As Jesus makes it clear in this vine branch analogy, we are totally dependent upon God for good works or godly works and fruit in our lives. We must walk in fellowship with Him, loving Him, loving His Word, loving His people. That's what He means by abiding in Him. As we look at our, our text in verse 10, we see that not only we as believers are dependent upon God to live for Him, we are also predestined by God unto good works. He says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Sorry, I'll back up there. For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That last phrase again, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Again, Paul is leading us to see this big picture, this God's perspective of, of what he's doing. The good that we as believers are able to do is because of God. From beginning to end, God has planned for us and he is working in us as believers to perfect us, to mold us and to shape us into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. Remember back at the beginning of, of chapter 1 in Ephesians and verse 4, he says that we are chosen in Him, in Jesus, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. Uh, that is where God is taking us. Every born-again child of God will one day stand before Him, holy and blameless in love. Well, while we're still here on the earth, God is working in us to change us, to grow us. He works by His Spirit through the Word of God, uh, sometimes through circumstances, both good and bad, through the church, 
he is working to accomplish his purpose. And the more we yield to him, the more fruit that he produces in our lives and the more he changes us. In uh, Titus uh, chapter 2, he says it this way in verse 13 to 14, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. You can see this purpose of God in our redemption. Um, also in Romans 8.29, you see this purpose. He says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the, uh, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So this conformity to Christ, this transformation that God does in us and will finalize one day when we're in heaven with him. This working of God, though, does not mean that we don't have responsibility to work. We also work, but by His enablement. Uh, you know, when I was, um, uh, Sharon and I were uh, raising support to come out here many years ago. Our boys were still young, and we were in a um, some church. I think it was Daniel. I think he was about four or five years old. Not Daniel, uh, Zachary. Yeah, the youngest. Uh, the Sunday school teacher came up to us, told us about something that they did that was, you know, wrong. Some of us had the, ad- the attitude that, uh, you know, missionary kids never do anything wrong. They're perfect. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> I don't know why, but I said, so, well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about that. You know, he's not saved yet. <laughs> But even if he had been saved, you and I both know that we are still struggling with sin in our lives. And although that we are saved and we're seated with God, we're raised up as we've been learning, uh, God must still do a work in sanctifying us, setting us apart while we're still here on earth to conforming us, to growing us. And he's doing that in all of our lives. And as Philippians 1, 6 says, he will complete it, that which he's begun in our salvation, he will complete it. In Philippians 2, he writes in verse 12 and 13, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Notice he doesn't say work for your salvation, but work it out. And he's speaking of this, uh, the work of God's salvation in sanctification. It's the, it's the ongoing process of this growth and change that God is producing. And our salvation, which is a, a gift we've, we've been studying and learning in, <clears throat> from this passage, is given to us, it must be worked out in our living he goes on in to say in verse 13, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work, for His good pleasure. 
And that, that should be very encouraging to us this morning. Because you and I both know that many times we struggle with this working out of our salvation. We struggle with being like Christ. We come short and we fail and we, we have all these uh, problems and, and, and often lack the discipline in our lives to do what we, we want to do. And oftentimes we do things we don't want to do. And we have this struggle and we're constantly having to go back to God and ask for forgiveness and ask His help. But notice that He says that God is working in us both to will. In other words, He's working to give us the desire to live for Him. To work out that which He's worked in us. He's continuing to work. And only give it to give us the desire, but to give us the enablement, the work, the the, work, the word there is uh, where we get energy, our English word energy from. And it is the, the enablement, the, the ability to work. And so all of that comes from God. He's, he's working in us. And so when we're struggling with habitual sin or we're struggling to, to, to walk close to God, we, we should be praying to God to help us, to enable us, to give us the, the will and the ability to do what God has put in our, our heart to do. Well, considering that uh, these first two points, not only were dependent upon God for good works, but they were destined or predestined for, uh, for these good works by God, this third point flows naturally from that, and that is that we're devoid of God without good works. If you don't have the fruit or evidence of good works as a pattern in your life, then you don't have God. That's what um, the Scriptures leads us to understand. He says you, you don't have a saving relationship with Him. And this is the point that James makes in James chapter 2 that uh, Louis read for us. In James chapter 2, beginning of verse 14, he says, what good is it? And that's an important thought there in that passage. What good is it? My brothers, if someone says, there's another important thing to note. In other words, it's a claim. It's what somebody says. doesn't mean it's real. It's just what they're claiming. It's what they're saying. If someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can that faith save him? And then he gives the illustration. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking daily food, and one of you say to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And so he's talking here about empty words, empty claims. He used the illustration of, of, of saying to someone that comes to you with a need and they're hungry and, and they don't have sufficient clothing and, and, you, and you say, well, just you know, go in peace and be warm and be filled. He says, what good is that? It does nothing for that person. And so he's using that, that analogy to say, Empty words, empty claims of faith are words and claims about faith 
that doesn't produce anything, that has no fruit, has no evidence. And so empty faith is a faith that does not work, doesn't have the, the fruits of evidence that is real. John Calvin said this way, it is faith alone that justifies, but faith that justifies can never be alone. And so the point is not how, not how much faith we have or, or even how much works we have. The point is that genuine saving faith receives God's gift of eternal life. And that life brings us into union and fellowship with Him through Jesus Christ. It's a, we're a new creation. And because of that, we have this new life. So a person who says or claims to have faith in Christ but gives no evidence of a relationship with Him by the fruit of works of that relationship is self-deceived. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, we read John, in the introduction of his letter, he says, This is the man that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say, that claim again, if we say, we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. So, this is what Paul is talking about when he says that God prepared good works that we should walk in them. Uh, notice the contrast between verse 2 and verse 10. This relates to this walk. Verse 2, before we were saved, we walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now is at work in the sons of disobedience. In other words, before salvation, we walked according to Satan's design and Satan's power. But after salvation, through the new birth, we walk by the power of God and the plan of God. King James Bible commentary has this concluding statement on verse 10. It says, Christ in us still goes about doing good. We are saved apart from good works, but saved unto good works. Good works are the aim of our salvation and the evidence of our faith. Works never produce salvation, but salvation always produces good works. A man is not justified by works, but a justified man works. Works are the consequences, not the cause of salvation. End of quote. Let me uh, close with a, a reading a, a quote from David uh, Roper. He's writing in Our Daily Bread booklets. And he, he writes about receiving a piece of pottery. And there was a, a tag on that pottery which read, Each pot is hand-formed, a process that allows the spirit of the artist to speak through the finished work with particular directness and intimacy. 
Sounds rather new age, doesn't it? <laughs> but you get the point. He's, um, his, his heart, his uh, spirit is, is being put into that pottery by his uh, work. He goes on to write, the result is a unique product, one of a kind. The author goes on to say, so it is with us. We bear the imprint of the potter's hand. He too has spoken through his work with particular directness and intimacy. Each of us is formed in a unique way for a unique work. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's a great truth this morning for us as believers to know that God has planned for us. And He has uh, planned not only our salvation, but our fruit, our works. And He is enabling us. and He is with us. He's uh, working in and through us by His Spirit, by the Word of God, by one another, as we encourage one another, as we live lives that are, are examples to one another, uh, God wants to, uh, to use you. And He, and he is uh, giving you opportunities. And many, giving me opportunities. Many times we don't see them. We, we let the moment pass. And so we must be consciously aware of God's work in us. We must be walking with Him, as John said, in the light. Fellowship with Him. Yielded to the Spirit of God. So that when these opportunities come along, we are aware of them. And we can, we can do God's work. Uh, or we might better say, He can do His work through us. Right? Let's close in prayer. Thank You, Father, for Your Word this morning. Thank You for this passage and the reminder again, Lord, of Your grace in our lives. Thank you, Father, that we're not just wandering around in our own strength, trying to figure out how to live for you. But you've given us your word and you've put your spirit within us to guide us, to direct us, to empower us. Lord, may we yield to you. May we take our eyes off ourselves and the circumstances and put them on you, trusting you, knowing that you're in control and that you have a plan for us even though the plan doesn't look like we thought it would or exactly the, the thing that we thought it would be, Lord, help us to trust you and to follow you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Jesus he saves are his delight. Christ will hold me fast, precious in his holy sight. He will hold me fast, will not let my soul be lost. His Satisfied, he will hold me fast. 